Oh, the, yo, dude, yeah, those are going. Those are going in the sample pack. Your <laughs> sample pack. Do you cut your claps out of every beginning of every episode and then like throw them into a folder? Yeah, do dude, that. it's all about the episode like seventy claps. I think those are the, <laughs> the best ones. I just replaced all my snares with those claps. <laughs> All right, well, dude, let's. I'm feeling, <clears throat> I'm feeling pretty warm. I think it's. I don't, I don't know about you. Let's let's uh let's have ourselves a little podcast here, huh? Let's, let's do, it. do it. All right, here it is, Gearbuds Podcast, episode one oh eight, big old number right there. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, shout out to some White Sox fans. Uh, section one oh eight is a. It's kind of a, a sacred space in our stadium. So, yeah. did, just thought of that off the top of my head. All right. Uh, and here we are. I'm Henry. Dave's on the phone. What's up? Hi, Dave. And we have. A super special guest coming at you today, Ryan Joseph Anderson. Hi, Ryan. Hello. Hello, Gear Buds. Gear Buds. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, also here in Chicago, not together yet. We're working on that. We're getting super close to that, folks. I think all of us are all vaxxed up on the phone now. So like soon enough, we're just going to be in spaces again either. And I'm That's fucking right. stoked about that. Uh, Ryan is, I mean, whoa, amazing guitar player, songwriter, singer, uh, just musician extraordinaire uh he's got some super cool stuff coming up including actually we're we'll see what makes the editor or not we're talking about some stuff uh for a gig that he's got coming up next week uh ryan thank you so much for being with us we're going to dive into all of the stuff that he does and has done and, and will do as we get further into the show before we do that we have some segments that we like to do every week so what do you say let's just dive on in symphony of corrections here you go here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes Thank you so much for listening to the to us and and, and joining us every week. Uh, means a lot. Thank you so much. Follow us Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe Spotify, Apple, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Uh, let's just get into it. A little uh, touch and tips. Friends of the show, actually. Uh, I'm ex- This is like a weird thing to be excited about so early, but I'll, it's true. I am. Uh, I don't know if they've even been officially announced yet, but Hercules is releasing these really specialized like podcast stands yeah. basically for to hold uh th- these types of products have have existed for a while for like your tablet and your smartphone and, and even for your microphone well they're they just are about to release this like new line of uh spe- special podcast centric versions and they're going to send some out for us so i am super excited to review those and there will be more about those in our upcoming episodes Very but cool. i don't know i just like because i have right now as part of my rig both an ipad and if a cell phone in front of me and they're just like sort of haphazardly placed so i was like yo this is a real use case let's do it yeah hercules has always been kind of like uh above the the regular standard i feel like too with guitar stands and in the wall hangers and stuff like that so yeah it's just a little little step up yeah i'm little, excited uh, to see what they come out with that's great little increase in, you gotta you gotta be safe uh, these days right. here we go uh, bfi gfi um i'm gonna call this one a bfi i guess i'll leave it up to both of you to see if you agree or not and b b stands for bad but i don't know if you saw this uh the foo fighters are about to be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame this year which you know in itself yeah. whatever i guess not, not surprised they'd make it there eventually right iron maiden isn't in yeah it that's and, bullshit man like what <laughs> Or, but also this year, I and this is sort of apropos of recent conversations we had. I noticed that uh, New York Dolls were also up this year and didn't get it, as well as Rage Against the Machine. Oh wow! Okay, I feel like if you fly your own plane on tour, 
you yes. automatically get into the Rock and Roll Hall of that's Fame. That's an amazing point. Yeah, that's a really good point. What else can even needs to be said? Yeah. I, you know, the one thing I will add, though, and that sort of rubbed me kind of the wrong way, and I guess I sort of get it, but they're not inducting all of the members of Foo Fighters. Like, Wait, the guys what? who played on the original record are not getting in. Um, it's like everybody post basically after like Dave Grohl redid it all, you know, and did the whole thing where he like re-recorded the drums and stuff. Anybody post that are the folks that are making it in, not the original members. Oh, okay. So like like Taylor Hawken is going to be in, but not Taylor's in, Pat Smears, but in, not the very no, very first lineup. Yeah, the have. guys basically the name like what's his name Nate Shiflet and I don't know, but anyways or Chris, Chris Shiflet, Nate yeah, Mendel. Yeah. Uh, those guys are all in, but the, the guys whose names we can't remember, they're not getting. Oh, in. okay. Well. I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this has become this weird, like, I don't hate Foo Fighters. I just feel like things have been coming up a lot recently where it's like, and it's not their fault that they're getting. Yeah, I, I mean, they're not going to be like, them, no. I guess. <laughs> right, they're not going to But I'm down. just, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, the, the whole thing feels so weird and, and makes the whole Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing feel even less relevant. It just seems so like, well, it's like, it's not like time sensitive. Like, you've got a band like Iron Maiden that's been around, what, since like the late 70s, the early 70s, 80s or oh, something? Yeah. yeah, so like. You know, those guys wouldn't, you know, you could put the Foo Fighters in before them. It just seems a little strange. Um, I heard I heard something like, oh, God, two years ago or three years ago. And it was like John Bon Jovi campaigning super hard to get into the Hall of Fame. And huh. I, I remember hearing campaigning that. Campaigning for like, himself? Campaigning for himself. Like complaining, complaining that like Jan Winter never really liked him and... All yeah. of this stuff that I it made me think, like, is there anything lamer than campaigning to get yourself into the rock? Yeah, and man, Hall that's rough. Fame? I don't think it works that way, man. And then it made <laughs> me think, is there anything lamer than a rock and roll Hall of Fame? Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's that's... an honorific that means literally nothing whatsoever. I mean, it's a cool place to visit if you've ever been there. Like, I saw mm -hmm. some cool shit, but oh, yeah. like, it. What does it even mean? Like, it's not. You don't get like a a yellow jacket or something. All of a sudden, it's right. like what? Yeah, what is the you get rock your name on a wall? Well, would, right? would you get a Would you get a studded leather jacket? That's that the, would like, be that's cool. The, the joke. Yeah, motorcycle. Be, be into that. Did you know that if you tour, if you're on tour in Cleveland, and you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and give them a CD. They'll archive it and let the band in for free. Really? Hot That's tip. fucking rad. That's hot pretty tip. cool. All right. That is cool. a hot tip. I love that. That's touching touch tips. tips right yeah, there. Really, really. <laughs> nice. Well, here we go. That was a little belly aching on that. I, yeah, I consider that a BFI. Um, let's get into a, a GFI. Uh, we're talking about some some good shows coming back. Uh, Empty Bottle here in Chicago is returning with live performance very that. soon. And uh, I, I don't know how it worked. I think it was yesterday. They were doing this program where basically for people of limited income, fans in need, essentially, they were kind of allowing discounted ticket purchases. And it was on the honor system. You know, you never know how that's going to go. But I just thought that was really cool. Wanted mm -hmm. to mention it because I love Empty Bottle. Can't wait. You know, I live a couple blocks from there. Can't wait to, to go back in there very uh, cool. as soon as I can. Uh, but you know, I, it's funny to think about too, cause now I'm like, I'll be honest. I was looking at the list and I was like, well, I don't know any of these bands. Do I want like my first show back to be this wow, thing that yeah. I don't know? Like That's a really I'm already point. back in this fucking like beggars choosers scenario. Yeah. Here. If you've gone uh, this long without seeing live music, you might, you might want to wait for somebody you really, really want to see. Yeah, well, like perhaps someone named uh, Ryan Joseph Anderson on the phone here. There you go. Weekend, so that <laughs> oh, might be, that oh, might be the thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go. Oh, you know, I just want to quickly mention this because I know that it's something that has irked me and a lot of people for a while, and that is iLock uh, in general mm. and just like as a technology. For anybody who doesn't know, it's 
I understand why it exists. It's sort of like a digital locker for your software. It You have it plugged into your computer when you're recording. It'll authorize the software you have, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm mentioning it because for a while now, if you've had a newer Mac, they haven't really had many or all at any at all USB like standard USB ports, mm -hmm. but because they've gone to all USB C, well right. now iLock has officially released an, a USB C version of it. But it's kind of goofy because you can't like cross grade your original one. Like yeah. you're just sort of stuck with the old one still, I guess, unless you want to sell it. But um, yeah, if that's been a problem for you, I personally use the digital version of iLock. So it's like all done over the web, but a lot of people don't connect their recording computer to the internet. So you need a way to authorize your software. And iLock has the lock on that shit. So I feel like uh, Mac, you know, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, a lot, but like, I feel like Mac is definitely, they're doing this just to fuck with us, right? Like all the adapters and all the crazy things, like <laughs> all the exclusivity, um, like they have this technology, yeah. they just don't release it. You know, I just feel well, like yeah, USB is a standard that like everybody uses, yeah. so it's weird. But the, yeah, now that there's like Thunderbolt via USB ports, it's all very confusing. I spent a lot of time learning and reading about it, and I couldn't even sit here and tell you everything there is to know about it. So yeah, it is sort of needlessly complicated. I just can't wait until we all live in a much better time when everything's wireless and we don't have to worry there about fucking. We don't even, it's all going to be virtual tone tubes at that point. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't, I, we're going to see how this part goes here really fast, may or may not make it into the show. But Dave, you and I were having a conversation recently yeah. and it made me just really want to just throw this out there. We were joking about essentially for the listeners of the show and Ryan, maybe you, you do or don't know this, but Dave and I are both cat boys. We both have kitties that we love yeah. a lot. We love dogs too, but like we basically the point is that we love pets oh. and <laughs> Uh, we we were sort of talking about um, I don't remember I think we were talking about just like dream guitars or maybe I think the idea we were talking about the Gretsch White Falcon specifically and then it was like and then it and then it turned to what would it take yeah to give up your pet uh. and and because I was joking I was like well maybe I'd give up Sophie for yeah. a vintage White Falcon and I was like well. No, not quite that, I guess. But like, what would it be? So, Dave, I want to put this out there to you, right? I don't yeah. know if you have any pets or have thoughts on this as well, mm. uh, Dave. What would it take to get one of your two beautiful cats? Yeah. To, now like, I get to keep one of. We're them? talking, I, I guess, money. You know, I guess it's going to have well, to be. Dollars yeah, we have to go down to dollars because, like, uh, I don't think there's any piece of gear in the world that would make me. You know, uh, not it, even like what about like Jamerson's P base? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing: if I had Jamerson's P base, like. One, I heard it's unplayable. Um, and two, I don't know. I'd probably have to put it in like a case and like hang it, you know, in a, a bank vault. Oh, somewhere I see what you're saying. You know, you yeah, couldn't really right, enjoy sure. it. Maybe you could. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But no, no, no. Um, I think, you know, money wise, man, uh, it would have to be, it'd have to be at least like a couple million dollars, you know. Whoa. Uh, yeah, holy that's much, shit. That's how much I love my kitties. A yeah. couple million. Yeah. I think one, oh how about God, one and dude. a half, one and a half million dollars. I think. Wow. I feel bad. I feel like I don't love my cat enough. And <laughs> you're I like 40 grand. Deeply, you know? <laughs> What, what I mean, it? forty grand. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, you know, Sophie, she's an old girl. Well, she's sixteen. Yeah. She does not have that much time left. So, like, yeah, that's a little you different. Know, yeah, that's a little different. I've got to be. I'm a realist over here, Dave, with a gear <laughs> problem. So, grand. no. What is your number? Do you have one? I don't know, man. I don't know if I have one. I don't even know. I like. It's. I've thought about it a lot. Like, I, yeah. I don't know if someone offered me a fucking Neve console. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to say no outright. Like I'm going <laughs> to consider, I'm going to consider that trade straight up for sure. Okay. Straight up trade. Neve console. Got it. How you know, many, we're that's how many cats do you think Joe Bonamassa's dumbass has sacrificed to get his? <laughs> that's a great question. 
I think he's probably out there just murdering cats. What I'm trying yeah. to say is Joe Bonamassa kills cats. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. For all Holy those lesbians. I have a great... I was on... We were on two... This is years ago. We were in Michigan. And this old, like, really cool theater in the UP. And one of the guys that runs it, I started talking to him. And he was like, well, you know, I just cashed in my retirement plan. And I'm pretty excited about it. And I'd find out that his dad had bought, like, you know, one owner, 59... Les Paul, like Ooh, the Les wow. Paul. Wow, jeez. And the guy, you know, he plays, but he's not a player and knew what sure, he was right. sitting on, so he contacted um, Groons and, yep. you know, is, puts the thing on the market, gets a call back, and I, I'm, I'm probably screwing this up, but the gist of the story was he had two offers. One was higher, like a little bit higher than the other, and the higher one was Joe Bonamassa, the lower one was Mark Knopfler, and he was like, give it to Mark Knopfler, please. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Knopfler's oh, the king, amazing. man. Knopfler rules. Knopfler's yeah. the king. Yeah, yeah. you'd want and, and that's that's actually interesting. That's a good point, too, because he's well-known for playing a burst, but it's like also, Dave and I were talking about that not that long ago. It's, you, you, I mean, I, I know because I'm a Les Paul guy that Knopfler, but I feel like most people think Knopfler, you kind of think of that Strat, I've always quacky, thought strat in between sound. Quintessential Strat but, tone is Mark Knopfler uh, to me, but you know, I could be wrong. But there yeah, is an but then you th- awesome, awesome, like weird documentary on YouTube that's just him talking about his different guitars. Because he started with that red Strat, yeah. Then went to a Les Paul, and then later had this custom guitar built that was kind of a hybrid of the two. Oh my god, I have to watch this. I have to watch this. I have to look this up. It's super nerdy and cool. All right, send us links. We'll we'll post them and watch them. And and I honestly, I it's almost like we've got a script here because I I couldn't have planned this any more perfectly because we are just now. Entering the part of the show where I actually get to say my two favorite words that I get to say every single week. You know what those words are. Those words are Dave's Ducks. Oh, you got the fucking tambo today. The tambo I, don't back, put a, I don't have to throw a sample in. Brought the tambo back. Um, Dude, what do you got for us? Whew. Well, I needed the tambo for this one. You know, Uh-oh. I feel kind of bad, Ryan, because, you know, I, I usually... I, man, it's it's not very often that I I, I see a total bummer like boner of a doc. Uh, really? Ooh, what happened? This was it was just not good. It was just very yeah. very boring. Um, so I apologize if I'm unenthusiastic, but I'll do my best here to kind of give a quick synopsis. I watched uh, on Amazon, which Amazon's hit or miss with their with their documentaries, as most people know who listen to this segment. But I will say, um, it's it was a legit documentary. It was all authorized and interviews with the band members and the real music, and, and all the things that make a good doc um, legit, uh, it's Scorpions Forever and a Day. 2015. The Scorps? Yeah. And by the way, don't confuse it. They were never actually called The Scorpions. They were called Scorpions, which I never wow. really knew that. I thought that I don't was... Think I, I don't think I realized that. I don't think I've ever realized that, and I think that's kind of badass. Um, yeah, basically, you know, they're a German band. I didn't... I, yep. I think I knew that, but, like, didn't really care. Um, but the Shanker they, Bros. Yeah, they formed in the seventies. This is a kind of a cool story. They they uh, they formed a band in the early seventies, and they went to do like a battle of the bands because I think they were still around that age where you do that kind of shit. And the only reason they didn't win the battle of the bands, they came in second, was because they were too loud. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty great. Um, the winning band actually, so the I guess the battle was for like a like a record or a, you know studio time or something. 
and the winning band broke up before they went to the studio. So they ended up giving them the studio time. And that's kind of what kept them going as a band was to get in the studio and, and start recording and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of a cool story. Um, but boy, it was just a really boring doc, man. I'm not going to lie. And it could have been because the whole thing's in German and it's all subtitles. Like even like yeah. the, even the credits and everything are in German. So it's, you know, and with my uh, German expertise from my freshman year in high school, I couldn't really <laughs> pick up too much of what they were saying. Um, but I'll say it was, you know, it, it was kind of good. It, it kind of did the thing. So I just rewatched The Last Dance recently, which for people out there, it is like the doc of all docs. It's not a music Bubbles. doc, but it's just one of the best, one of the best documentaries ever made about the Bulls. And um, what they do in that movie is they go, they go from like, kind of like the last year, like 90, you know, 97, 98. And then they go and then they keep rewinding and they go back and forth. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they kind of did this in this movie too, because it was, it was their, their path to this farewell tour, which I think was like 2011 or 12. And then they kept kind of rewinding back to the past. Well, I love like the story of a band. Like that's my favorite shit is like how they got together. What was their first time recording? What kind of gear did they use? You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, what was, you know, the turmoils of being in a new young partying mm. band and all that stuff. Yeah. This didn't have like any of that. It was basically just following around in 2011. And then they would like tell a story about the past, but then they would show like a little bit of footage. And then they'd go back to this, like when they're all old and cheesy and like kind of walking around and like, you know, really bad outfits and stuff. So, um, so that was kind of a bummer. They have this, they have this drummer. I have to mention this, man. This guy's name's James, James Kotak. He's the James Kotak. He's an American drummer. And he played with, uh, he actually played with Motorhead um, right, right before Lemmy passed. So it was kind of oh, in that yeah. like last couple years. So he, but mm-hmm. imagine like one of those like aging old LA guys with like the eyeliner and like the spiky hair and like way too much hairspray. And like, he's kind of just, think, yep. you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, he plays a lot that, of, a lot of stitching on his jeans. Yep. A lot of stitching on the <laughs> jeans. Um, he takes his shirt off. This is great. When he plays drums, he doesn't have a shirt on. And, uh, He's got the biggest, he's got his, uh, just in black letters across his chest, his last name, which is K-O-T-T-A-K, right across his chest. And on the back, in in like huge slab font, black letters, it just says rock and roll forever going down his back. <laughs> like the big, like I'm talking like a foot high, each letter going all the way down his back to the bottom by his tramp stamp. It's hilarious, dude. And I, I had to pause it because I was like, what does that tattoo say? <laughs> Um, so I thought that was just a shout out to, to that guy, man. It was just incredible and actually a pretty good bold, musician, bold move. all that stuff. Um, you know, but at, anyways, I will say, um, there was a really funny part in the movie where they, they're rehearsing with the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra mm-hmm. and they got this call. They're like, the Berlin Philharmonic wants to do like a gig with you guys. And they're like, all right. And they're like, you only get one rehearsal. And they're like, oh, okay. So they show up and they cannot get their shit together, dude. And it's, I don't know why they left this in the movie, but they're like arguing about parts. Like with the, with the, the, I guess the maestro of the orchestra, is that what you call that guy? The conductor. Yeah, the conductor. They're like arguing with him about parts and he's like not telling him like what to play. It's actually pretty fucking awesome. I, a lot of it, you know, it's in German. So I I had a hard time like following the subtitles, but um, pretty great stuff. They did not play Rocky like a hurricane in the entire movie, which fucked with my head. Cause to me, that's great job. That song's epic, though, man. You know, it's that's like, the song. Well, that's the song. Yeah. Yeah. And they I mean, it just it, at any point in the movie, they could have just mentioned like writing that song or coming up with that riff and they didn't. So that was kind of a bummer. 
Um, I've got to ask: Did they did they get into the the or the drama with the Shanker brothers and how like there was the one and then there was the other no. one that replaced him? And there's That's this was I so don't, confusing because they I, I actually really had to go to Wikipedia while I was watching this to understand like kind of what happened. But yeah, yeah, it's the, really weird. The brother was playing guitar in the band for a while and then he just like left or something. I, I don't. know. And then is the young? I think it was like the. Maybe the older brother. I don't. I always mix them up, but I think maybe the way that it went, like there's Michael I know, and one of them is mm-hmm. accuses the other one of basically only being famous by like playing his brother's stuff. It's really, it's mm-hmm. just really strange. They didn't get into any. It's, of it's like the opposite of usual brother band stuff that are like family bands where stuff they're that like we amazing. Love so much. Yeah, exactly. And then you know they just like they yeah no it's 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 it seems almost more like a, a, a you know I guess Oasis Gallagher brothers yeah kind of thing yeah like I think it was and and maybe for good reason they didn't get into that because what, I love the drama in a good doc you know me man so that's what I, was, I mean that's I what keeps you engaged waiting for all that stuff so um yeah i think that's about all i have to say about it i will what do you say got? what give me a little arbitrary ranking on it man. well i will say this i will say this uh while i was watching it i had a i had a few good uh puns i think that you'll appreciate um, during this movie this. um i said this one bites uh didn't get its claws into me um mm. i was poisoned by boredom uh mm. and and then i said ld50 more like ld5 all right, and that's what's, le- LD, le- what's LD fifty lethal dose. You know, like if you get bit by a snake, they have LD oh. ratings of like how poisonous they are. So this was this was LD five. So 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 the that was a little five, deeper cut LD5. for the for the reptile nerds out there, but, yeah, yeah right. or the you know bug nerds or whatever. But Always so I give this sign of a good documentary when you go to Wikipedia while you're watching. Yes, dude. <laughs> Thank you. That really summed it up, man. I had to go to Wikipedia because I was like, well, I want to give like I want to talk about this band or talk about this flick. I, I couldn't keep track of like what was going on. Like I said, they jumped around like from the from the late days to the early, like too much, too quick. Um, I will give this snoozer four out of ten stingers. That's what I'm mm. giving it. So um oh, and then really funny, I thought the movie was almost over. And then right when I thought it was ending, they extend their like 2011 tour for six more months. So I, you gotta you gotta pay close attention to all that. I think at that point I like because I had my shot and I was like, you know, yesterday or whatever. So I was watching it and I I think I dozed off, you know, while watching it too. So that's that's a good way to get out of it, I'd say. Yeah, but um, you know, we tried to give a good synopsis. Like I said, Ryan, I apologize because they can't all be bangers. I want it to be a they great can't. a great doc when we have a guest on. But sometimes, you know, you swing and you miss. So what can you do? Swing and you miss. I appreciate you putting yourself through that for us and the good of all. <laughs> it was like two hours long, man. It was so fucking long. Kinda, but, uh, I don't know. I do, I'll be honest. I do. I I might go uh, just. Uh, pull up little scorpions on spotify I, after this just because like i want to remember what other songs they had other than rocky okay. like a hurricane rocky like remember. a hurricane no one like you oh uh, yeah totally big yeah. big city you know big city big, big city, city yes and then and then wind of change was the big ballad so there is a if if i'll say this if you're gonna watch that documentary don't there's a podcast that came out about wind of change have you heard of that no, no. So there's this insane. Wait, a whole story. podcast or just oh, an yeah. episode of a podcast? Oh no, it's a whole podcast. It's oh called <laughs> Wind of Change. No, and it, dude, what? And it is about this conspiracy that that there was this thought that the CIA had written Wind of Change to infiltrate Russia. Okay, dude, I'm just gonna leave it at shit. that. I can't. And, and you've listened to this? Oh yeah. Dude, you oh, just man. reminded me. They kind of mentioned something about that because when that by the you know they're okay, they're a German band singing American songs in Russia, and they go to Russia and it's their biggest crowd they've ever played for. And he learned "Wind of Change" in Russian so he could like do it justice because he's like they don't really know what we're singing, they know the words, but we want to learn it 
to respect for the country, you know, as respect for the country, we want to learn it in Russian. So the whole thing ties together. I, I believe it. I'm in. Let's go. Dude, I actually might listen. I'm, I like, I should listen to more podcasts than I do as a podcaster, but I'll, I'm telling you what, I'm going to listen to that shit. It that is sounds amazing. It's fascinating. Good call, man. So if That's you find awesome. yourself wanting to watch this documentary, listen to the podcast or watch Just the Last to the Dance. Podcast. I love it. There it is. Yeah. yeah. And watch The Last Dance for sure. Oh wow! All right, nice one, Dave. Here right. we go. Let's let's keep this train rolling. And this is uh this is where we try to turn our attention a little bit more over to our guest Ryan here uh, through a segment we call a couple two tree randos. Where I'm just going to throw a couple two tree rando questions at you uh, and see what happens. So here we go. <clears throat> if you could, Ryan, swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, living or dead, which band member would that be and why? Ooh, man. Warren Ellis in the Bad Seeds. Nick Cave in the Bad Seeds. Have you seen? Are you Nick Cave fans at all? Uh, so, you know, I I like some songs, but I wouldn't say I'm like a huge fan. I don't know much about it. It's just like the best live band out there. It's just awesome. Um, and I think the mojo of being on that stage and he's the weird thing is he's not a guitar player. He plays violin mm-hmm. and he plays like this weird tenor guitar. But huh, he's one, okay. or or you know what? Just like rhythm, there's a guy sometimes on stage with him that's just standing in the background playing acoustic guitar. I'm cool with that job too. Yeah, yeah there you um, go. just chunk, chunking out some chords. That's one, man. There there are so many. You know the other one that I would say, uh, if I could be in Crazy Horse. Oh yeah, yeah sure. dude. That's a really good call. That's a good Cause, one. But it's it's tough, though. I mean, for me, you know, obviously I know you as, as a man that can play some lead guitar. So it's like, you know, Neil Young's also in that yeah, band. Do you, so do it's you, like, you're, do you become Neil Young? You're not going you like... to step on Neil. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just going to be playing the chords behind him, right? I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with yeah. It. It's, it's, I'm sure it was a hell of a party. That's for sure. So. Oh, yeah. Good one. All right. Uh, What's the first thing that you listen to when you hear a song for the first time? Melody. Easy. Just yeah. straight up melody. Straight up melody. I think that's the first thing that catches me. I like talk vocal to people, melody or like what? Yeah, any, any melody that's going on. If it's the vocal mm-hmm. melody, if it's that, I think that's always the first thing that stands out. Mm-hmm. I am a, a I, I love lyrics, but that's always a slow burn. And I, I always think that like lyrics kind of like a good, a really great lyric, you might not realize it when it happens, it, it settles mm-hmm. in later, but a bad lyric will stand out immediately. <laughs> Ooh, like dude, a, that, that's some wisdom right there. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. You're so right about that. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's a, that's a, like you groan, you like, you, you feel your body sort of clench up when you hear that really just awful lyric. Yeah. Uh, immediately. Wow. That's. That's some deep shit right there. Uh, good one. Uh, if you could take a lesson from anyone, who would that be? Ooh, that's hard. Jerry Garcia. Oh, nice answer. Hell yeah. That's a really good one. Pull right there too. And you know, because he could actually teach you something too. It's exactly. not like he he knew he knew what he was doing. It wasn't just like from the heart or whatever. Which, of course, not to say there was no heart, but like he could he could teach you. Wow, that's a really good. So, would on guitar? Are you talking going to do some like one of his other instruments? Guitar. Yeah. Walk that's me through this one. stuff, man. Yeah, teach <laughs> teach me to be you, and and also uh, help me put an auto wah in my guitar electronics while okay. you're there. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is a kind of interesting one. Usually here, this is when we ask 
a question as asked by our previous guests. Well, uh, the previous guests that we had on were the directors of the pedal movie. And that was such a fucking freewheeling episode. I, I, I fucked up and I did not ask them to ask what that question should be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to recycle a previous question from a couple weeks ago. And that came from a guest, Kevin Tabus. And he wanted to know, and I just think it's a really good question. I wanted to ask you this, Ryan anyways, but uh, he wanted to know, uh, what did you learn about yourself? And what did you gain as a positive from this whole pandemic thing that we've all gone through? Um, I learned that I'm not good with downtime. Mm, <laughs> that yeah. I, but, um, but that I that you that I need it. Um, and I think from a musical standpoint, there were moments that. I was like actually practicing again, mm-hmm. like real What's practice. <laughs> yeah. Um, like sitting down, I, I would talk to my buddy Ben Jaffe in, in California and he's kind of a wizard. And there were just things like, Oh, you know, this week I'm going to work on inversions. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that I haven't done in forever. You know, it's always getting right. ready for a gig or writing or recording, but just like sitting down and actually practicing guitar again felt really good and i think i emerged or am emerging as a a better player somehow even though i haven't been yeah, playing as much as i that. wanted to um yeah and again ryan's a hell of a player so to hear that is it makes me a little fearful but uh, also more <laughs> excited to to see what's going to come do you see do you th- i mean of course speculation but do you think these are sort of habits that you're going to pull forward post pandemic or do you think you're still going to carve time to, to practice? A hundred percent. I think it's a thing. I, I got my curiosity back, which I think had been waning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I definitely felt like before, I mean, if, and this is looking at it in hindsight, but I could say that, you know, as a player, I was uh, falling back on muscle memory a lot or, sure, yep. You know, I'd be in the studio working on something and it'd be like, oh, it's this kind of song. So here's this lick. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and now, you know, I, I was just in the studio last week and there were all these things that I had been practicing that like, oh, man, I can use space in a different way here. And maybe the thing that the lead guitar does at this point is just play this inversion and that's it. and it opened up this whole kind of studio excitement for me about using space with the guitar. I'm babbling, but you know, like the, I know, I know what you're saying. The way that, the way that these little things creep in and how you use them. Um, I saw that my instincts had changed. So where before, if I'm recording on a song and there's a hole or there's a space, you know, a lot of Packy and I, Packy, do you know Packy Lundholm? You know, I, he's someone that I actually was was planning on bringing up. Packy is someone that you know, I don't know him, but I know every like everyone I know is is tight with him and calls him a genius and all this sort of stuff. So I I would like to know Packy. He's more. he's I think a, that's what I'm getting at. He's a freak. Well, but we were talking about this, and you know, as an instinct as a guitar player, when you're recording on a song, you always there's a space, and the thought is I have to fill this with notes. Like <laughs> there's a hole. So this is where I go. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of the things that I did 
over the the year made me realize like well you don't need to do that with a lick you can do that with a chord or you can you can do that with an inversion you can do that mm-hmm. with tone and it's a lot more effective than just like here's a lick yeah Man, if that, that makes sense. for real it, it, that makes a lot of sense and and I, as you were talking about that i was kind of Actually, really connecting with something I was learning about recently. Um, I was listening to a podcast now. I can't remember her name, but there's this neuroscientist, Heather. I think it's like Heather Blackton or Blackston, maybe. Uh, I'll throw that in the, in the corrections next week. But she was talking about um, what creativity is, like what that means in a sort of neurological sense. And, and her definition of creativity is uh, a, a creative person is someone that actively goes out and seeks information and brings as many ideas or thoughts or, or whatever, you know, facts, whatever it is into their brain and then, and then connects them in, in novel ways, in new or unique ways. So the idea that you're, you're practicing something, and this goes back to a lot, I mean, Coltrane has quotes about this a lot of people, but it's like, you practice so much that by the time you, you go to play, you can forget all of it. It's the same sort of idea. It's like, well, you've got this bigger bag of tricks, so you don't have to just play a lick because that's what guitar players have been trained to do. It's like, oh, I, I was practicing inversions, so now I can just allow that to happen creatively from my brain through my fingers. Uh, fucking A, man. Love that shit. Love that. All right. So last, last little bit, a couple two-tree here, uh, and that is I would like you to give us a question to ask our next guest. You don't get to know who that is or anything, just someone else in the music world. What would you like us to ask them next episode? What's your favorite chord? Ooh, he was ready with that one. I like that. Is it is the only answer the opening chord to a hard day's night? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. <laughs> that is such I, a nerdy. It's the only great one. It's the only answer. one that I could come up That's with. That's fantastic. Right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. All right. So if 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 not for that answer, what's your favorite chord? Oh, this is so nerdy. Right now, it's like F major seven. I don't know why. Yeah. Ooh. You just want to. You just want to be in that world. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about it. I'm I'm in a big I'm in a big slash chord thing right now. So oh, my yeah. I, I'll tell you like uh, B minor over D. I just sit down at a piano and play that the first thing like every day, and it just feels good. Yep. Uh, fucking a man. Well, look at this. We're doing great so far. Let's let's dig let's dig deeper and take it a little bit further back here. So where did you where did you hail from? Where did you grow up? Chicago. Yeah. Which part? Uh, well, I grew up. Was born in like Lakeview. Uh, mm-hmm. And then moved. My family moved to Oak Park, so I, I grew up in like Oak Park, um, and then you know moved back into the city as soon as I could. Yeah, as as one does. Uh, was there like musical family music in the house, that kind of stuff? Music in the house. I mean, my dad played piano, messed around. My mom liked to sing, um, but I I got obsessed with guitar kind of young on my own. Um, but there was always music in the house. My dad, uh, my dad had this like little workroom that was next to my bedroom, and the wall was really thin. And uh-huh. I just remember him like you know I would it was supposed to be sleeping, and I like I remember when Graceland came out, and he would oh, be bumping shit. that. So I was always like listening to music through the wall late. He he was a huge fan of the uh, of the band. Uh-huh. Um, he listens to a lot of Motown and stuff when I was young, so. It kind of just seeped in. Yeah, and then sounds hearing that definitely makes sense uh, from what I know, I know of your music. Well, but what was it that 
I mean, you said the guitar became your thing. What do you remember what it was that really drew you to it? The last waltz. Oh, like, yeah. Watching that yeah. as a kid, I, like we taped it, stayed up late, taped it on PBS. Right. Um, and it was just, you know, there's, there, there's scenes in there. The guy drives me nuts now, but there's scenes in there where, like, where Robbie's playing that, you know, bronze <laughs> guitar with a yep. scarf. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's so cool. <laughs> Uh, what, what drives you nuts about him? The complete self-aggrandizement that he's been doing for the, like the last ten years, or yeah, what, what like, could it possibly be? It's insane. It's speaking yep. of those bad docs, like the doc that. that Did you he see made, that one? Yeah, that oh. he made. I covered it up probably a couple months ago, but yeah. Yep. I mean, it's I worth just, watching. But yeah, if if you really know the band, apparently he kind of uh, took over that whole thing. Well, and and there's a whole thing with him that bums me out. Just you know. I t- needing to take credit for any element of genius that was in that band. Right. Like that, yeah. That the genius of that band was that combination of those people. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's moments, you know, he's ruining all their old records right now, but there's that- moments where he talks about like how he picked the parts that everybody was singing. And it's like, no, you didn't. Right. Right. And oh, why man. and why do you need to say that you did that? Like what yeah, you, good does I mean, that it, do? It always seemed to me like they were just jamming out parts together and kind of like worked on songs, you know, as as kind of equals, but he doesn't make it sound that way. But that movie when I was young did a couple of things, which is one it made me immediately want to start a band. Like I want mm-hmm. my own roving group of pirates. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh and it made I me think cigarettes were yeah, it made me think cigarettes were really cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> There's a scene oh in there God. where Levon like lights a match to light his cigarette, and he's just telling a story until the match pretty much burns out. <laughs> then he lights Robbie's cigarette and then his own. Kids don't oh, smoke. Yeah. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. That sent me no, no, bad smoke. stuff. But don't light your vapes on fire. Yeah. <laughs> but there were all those kind of things that, like, when I was young watching yeah. that, that, I'm like, well, well, this is this is the thing I want to do. Did it did it specifically make you want a strat? Because uh, I, I know you to be as a more of a, a Gibson man. I had my fr- I had a strat. Yeah. Um and yeah, that 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 did you know, strats were weird. I feel like when I was young, there was I, I wanted a strat, and then there was this period in like the early two thousands where it felt like strats went out of favorite like they were kind of lame it might be in my own i think they became no i i agree i feel like they became i never really honestly thought they were cool other than hendrix really but like they became the least cool guitar ever yeah and you could get them cheap too for sure yeah yeah and now and now there's things like why did i get rid of my strat like there's times that i'm like oh Uh, as a tool sure yeah yeah it's interesting yeah some people just like really want to pick up a strat i you know i that's i'm just not one of them i've tried i was a strat guy for a minute it didn't last there is a story about uh leo fender when he made the strat Mm -hmm. that he had thought he fixed the guitar like he his guitar was the telecaster yeah sure it had problems he made the strat he fixed it he didn't think they were going to keep making telecasters he thought it yeah. was just going to switch over to be like, and now this is the guitar we Replace make. Replace it, yeah. Yeah. And kind of like how they went from the Les Paul to the SG. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, here we are. And, and well, also the, only, the, only Fen- the only Fender 6 that I keep around is a Tele, so I'll, just, I'll, I'll put it like that. Uh, but so you don't, you, it sounds like you, you don't have your first guitar anymore. I have my first, like, 
really insane. Like my Washburn electric guitar. Okay, yeah, sure. I cool. don't have that. I, I got. I, I regret getting rid of that Strat, but it, it happens. happens. Yeah, there's always another one out there. Uh, did you start like? Did you start writing songs right away, or was it right like away. I just want to learn all these band songs? No, I, I immediately wanted to write songs. Like I was trying to write songs before I knew chords. Like you know, I had my first yeah. lesson, I got back and I'm like, all right, I kind of got this down. Uh, let's try to write songs. And there's a lot of bad ones out there, but. <laughs> That was kind of well. You got to get through the bad ones to get to the the, the good ones. I think. Yeah, it's it's so it's so, so interesting to me. I because you know we talk to a lot of people on here, and sometimes it, I feel like it's pretty split. It's either you really instantly needed to write, or it's like I've got a guitar hero, and I just want to completely learn every single thing they ever did. So I'm right. I'm curious what sort of drove. What I mean, yeah. What was it in your early life, or or whatever it was, that drove you to be like, I need to make songs of my own to play, versus just like I'm going to be a cover guy. I think that's a good question because I I wonder about that sometimes. I think there was a a really young obsession with like all the music that I was listening to, whether it was like the Beatles or Bob Dylan, all that stuff that like my dad listened to that seeped in the thing that they all had in common is that they wrote their songs. Mm-hmm. And um, I was obsessed with reading about stuff, listening to stuff, watching, you know, the Beatles anthology came out and just consuming it all. And that was the through line in everything, you know, like the Beatles met and they started writing songs. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, Bob Dylan was, a, a huge fan of Woody Guthrie, but he would like kind of take those songs and try to write his own version of them. Right. And we did that immediately. My first band in, you know, band in quotes in junior high called flying spinach. Our song was basically, <laughs> we basically took the lick from heartbreaker, played that lick and then like tried to write another song. <laughs> like, yeah. we're not going to play heartbreaker. But we'll play the lick from Heartbreaker with our own song. With new stuff over it. I love that. <laughs> this song's called Bart Quaker. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Three. Exactly. That's such a junior high move, though. I love it. I mean, I feel like a lot but, of us yeah. have done similar variations of that. Oh, you have to. I mean, yeah, you got to stand on, stand on some shoulders of giants at some point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I had some romantic idea of being like the guy walking around with a notebook and... <laughs> You know, like <laughs> scratching lyrics in it, lame. But I, but it was, it was, you know, it was my obsession. Man, I would give. I was that guy too, carrying around my stupid little notebook everywhere. And I so, so deeply wish I still had that and could find just oh, the man. truly horrifying things that I thought were deep and worth writing <laughs> at that time of my life. <laughs> my God, I, I thought it was. I had it was literally a cuddly cutie. That was like the name of the. The, like notebook brand and it oh, had a little cat a, a little kitty on the cover a little i remember can picture it's like orange tabby and i would carry that thing around everywhere wow. <laughs> what an asshole so all right let's talk about guitars a little bit uh i i again have said already but i i sort of in my experience with you i know you to be this uh i favor perhaps a 335 when when did that whole thing happen for you um i got my 335 in 2004 four mm-hmm. something somewhere in there i had i had played 
you know, I had started playing semi-hollow bodies and stuff like that, and it, I just liked a guitar. The first thing that I liked about it is I like a guitar that has weight. Mm, you okay. know, like, I I remember picking it up and being like, this is heavy, and I dig it. And I've since made it heavier by throwing on... I was going to say, you put a Bigsby, Bigsby on there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> People pick that guitar up sometimes and are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, that, it's... I, it, I don't know, it helps me play. Like, I like the weight of it, and it's such a versatile guitar. Like, I can and do... You, so that was a, you got it new? I got it. It was an eBay purchase. It was like the riskiest eBay. I, you know, eBay was new... Whenever yeah. this was, it was, it was risky, and I lucked out. I remember being freaked out by it, but I found one for a for a deal, um, and I had been playing them, messing around with them, and it was just like, man, I need to get one. These are so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I've cycled. I have, you know, I have other guitars in the arsenal. I really like my Tele. I have a a, a cool like you know K one fifty one. Um. Cool. But. There's just something about that guitar, especially live, that it's like I can do everything with this guitar. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what you want. Uh-huh. Do you uh, do you experience? Because so within the past, I guess I, I I was I've always been a Gibson player as well, but uh, just got my first three thirty five. I guess maybe like a year and a half or so ago, and it's now basically number one. But do you find yourself? I guess it it's probably program material dependent, but do you find yourself dealing with any sort of like semi hollow related feedback issues live? Sometimes, but not really with that. Not yeah. it, not really an issue with um with that. I mean it it's happened, but it's never been something that that wasn't you know, I I just figured out how to work around it, kind of. Well, it's it's like whatever that fucking weirdo's big back tattoo said, right, Dave? What was it? Rock and rock roll, and roll forever, forever or some shit. Yeah. Uh, same thing. You get a little feedback. That's that's just rock and roll forever, right there. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, I, I'm just because, like, I as someone that spiritually has has really had this sort of like change with me and and like loving the 335. I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. I mean, what do you what what do you remember what what it was at first that made you even think? I mean, I know you said you liked that it was heavy and that was sort of what connected, but like even before that, do, what made you even kind of think about playing something like a 335? I mean, and you know, when I was, whenever somebody had one, I was like, that's the coolest looking guitar I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, they just like looked awesome. And there's some old, you know, what was it? Is it 10 years? This is all like dumb classic rock stuff. But I remember seeing like Woodstock, the Woodstock movie as a kid. And oh, I think with it's the, 10 years. Was it Elvin Lee's? Elvin maybe? Lee's uh, just like yeah. cutting it up with one. I, I always just thought they looked awesome. They're big. And really, when I picked one up, the neck just felt right in my hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've always liked guitars that I, I not that I have to f- to fight, but that I that I can like, you know, that I can muscle a little bit. Um, sure, it pushes back a little bit on you. Yeah, yeah. And and I love that. I really the thing is is that I love that I can play you know the fiercest, weirdest, fuzzed out indie rock on it. Yeah. Or I can play like a really trebly country thing on it, and it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. So, other than the Bigsby, did you ever like swap pickups or any make any alterations to that thing? Um, not really. I always liked the 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 humbuckers on that. Um, yeah. I uh, the what uh, what did I do? I I swapped out. You know, I added jumbo. <laughs> I added huge frets to it. 
Oh, oh really? really? Massive wow. jumbo frets, um, which I love on that thing. And then I put a steel Bigsby on it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, God, I gotta love a Bigsby. Oh, baby. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I haven't. Well, my, my 335 is an old one that has like a trapeze. I could put a Bigsby on there, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm afraid that I'll just change. I, I, did it change the sound when you put the Bigsby on there? That's my, always my concern. No, the only thing that I'm, that I'm, it, you know, like the, the rolling bridge is a thing to consider. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, but no, it didn't, it didn't change the sound. That it, and, and I, and I've incorporated that into my playing so much that I can't imagine it without the Bigsby on it. Yeah, it's just a, an extra, an extra limb. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so I think you and I first met or at least is my my recollection of it is when we were both sort of playing in tom schrader's band is that is that tommy schrader i think that's right yeah uh shreds so yeah so i you know talking recently what's up tom uh love that man so when god when was that like that must that was over 10 years ago right oh yeah yeah i started playing with tom in 2009 okay 2010 and then it was you know with Tom, there were you were always kind of in and out, you know, right, and yeah, back exactly. in and out and in and mm-hmm. out. Like it was always this, like I don't know, he had this like roving band of, you know, characters that you kind of never knew who was going to be playing a gig with you. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but and, and I was well, like, that, I don't yeah. know, I I don't I don't think he did it on purpose, but then it would create these like amazing moments, you know, like because you and I were both playing. I I think we were both playing, and we were both. The idea was like, and you're both lead guitar. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. And now you guys both go, and it was awesome. I remember we made some wicked, wicked textural stuff. Yeah, I, I remember really honestly feeling, I'll be honest, like that was a weird time in my life where I had been very actively playing and gigging a lot. And then at that point, I was just like not at all. And like in a weird spot in my life and like, I think I had, I was like going through a divorce and shit. It was just like not good. And I remember going in and like not being as good as I used to be. And it was really fucking, it was like really messed up for me. Like, cause you were, I mean, whatever, I'm not here to just like stroke your ego, but Ryan is a fantastic guitar player. So then for me to come in and like my chops were not good. And I remember <laughs> kind of like feeling like people were looking at me like, you know, especially people that I had played with before, not you necessarily, but just been like, what's up, man? Like, where <laughs> did you forget how to fucking play guitar? So it, I, I guess it, it makes me feel nice to hear that you have positive memories. That <laughs> I have like fairly for myself, like fairly kind of negative memories of that whole because we played like a number of gigs. And I actually I think we the first gig was a hideout and I had like a really bad show. I remember just being like very embarrassed after that one. Uh, but, you know, see, that's I how it goes. What, 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 you had a Mooger Fooger, right? Probably. ring modulator I don't, oh I, yeah i feel yeah, like definitely. we both had ring modulators i, I have some <laughs> that's what you need memory <laughs> double the ring modulator of us being like let's both turn our mooger fooders on at this point that's uh, fucking awesome um I, tom shows were always like i i'm trying to figure out how to say this i think that thing is something we all feel when we play with other guitar, I mean, I feel that way all the time about mm-hmm. my guitar playing. Like any, you know, speaking of Packy, like anytime I'm in a room with him, I suddenly forget that I'm <laughs> yeah. okay at guitar because he's just a <laughs> wizard. And I'm like, this guy What's is this just, yeah, like this guy's just looking at me, wondering why I'm struggling to do this when he could just, you know, you know, do it in his sleep. 
Dude, I've had se- I've been pl- I've been asked to play a session, and I've shown up there, and there have been other guitar players, and I've literally said, "Why am I here? Like, uh, like I, you don't need me to do this." But I guess the point is that that you everyone is different, and everyone approaches things differently. So even if someone could quote unquote do whatever the thing is that you're trying to do, they're not going to do it how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we all feel that way, and that's the thing that pushes us to get better. Like, if you didn't have that, I mean, I'd rather feel that way than go into a gig and be like, crushed it. I'm better better than all of these people. Right. What are these? Like, it's all about me. They got to keep up to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess you never want to be the the smartest person in the room. But the uh, funniest thing, that that band, that band with Tom, you always kind of felt like he was, like he was pulling a prank on you or something. Because I think everybody at times in that band was like, wait, what? What what's going on? Like, what are we doing? How many people Chewy are in this guitar band players? today? Yeah, like, wait, we're, we're, we have a ten person band for this, and we all have to figure out how to make it work. Um, but I think that right. I think that periods in that band did a lot for me, like developmentally as a musician, just to figure no out how to fit in something like that. Mm-hmm. And Tom is such a brilliant songwriter and and thinker, but could never really give you direction like he did didn't have any he, tom didn't like direct the band in a musical way mm-hmm. it, do you know what i mean yeah well because it wasn't like a theoretical discussion well i guess that's why he had danny hotkeys molder to throw around all that stuff <laughs> but like yeah it wasn't like oh no that should be it should be a, a, a sharp seven right there it was never that it was kind of just like oh that doesn't feel right or something yeah and then it was like and, and now you two play okay you two are in this band to get, yeah, yeah like the you two are playing lead guitar just play lead guitar play lead guitar yeah and he did have good instincts in that regard totally I think that in terms of your points it's just like getting people around. and i think wasn't mars williams playing that gig with us too yeah yeah that was for, for the the saxophonist and the psychedelic furs for those who don't know so that was yeah that was a pretty wild version of that band wow oh yeah and and that's exactly right too where it's like okay now um like the two of us and mars would hit some instrumental break where tom would want us all to <laughs> like we were in the indie rock version of sun Ra. (laughs) i was gonna fucking say sun Ra, dude that's fucking perfect holy shit but yeah we did i think we did a couple like maybe festivals i don't know we did that was that was an interesting time but so speaking of timeline like i know that you were also doing you had a couple bands and you're doing your own your sort of like own i guess you call it solo name deal now but so you had a band called go long mule yeah what was the what was the history there? What was what was your guys' deal? That is a crazy story. I mean, that started as so. There's a there's a friend of mine, an old friend that I've known since high school. His name's Robert McShane, and he is just a ge- he's a genius songwriter. I mean, a mm-hmm. genius songwriter. Uh, and he never really he never really wanted to pursue it as you know. A, he he went for it a few times, but realized that it wasn't you know it wasn't for him. Um, but it started with him because I wanted people to hear his songs. I mean, this guy would come over to my house. Like we are, the band used to have this house. He'd come over with a notebook filled with lyrics that were just one song. And he'd be like, can you, can you help me whittle this down? And then he'd sit there (laughs) and he'd go through the lyrics and you'd be like, I don't know what to cut from that. Like every line is unreal. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, So that band started as a thing to kind of pursue music together and and he was writing and i was writing and then sarah holtschlag 
mm-hmm. uh, joined, and it was kind of the three of us writing songs. And as it moved along, Sarah left. You know, Robert didn't want to pursue it anymore, and the band kind of. We had a couple of different versions of the band, um, but that's how it started. And then it kind of just, you know, took on a life of its own, and and it was became a vehicle for more like you know songs I was writing. Sure. Um, is that so? Then was that what the dissolution of that is that what led into then starting your own sort of solo thing? And I guess the first record would was that was the first record the Weaver's Broom. Yeah, so Go Long Mule had been touring a lot around the Midwest and had been really busy, and and then it just kind of started to be like, okay, everybody was ready to move on, and I had wanted to do something, you know, intimate. We had made this really awesome record with uh, with Colin Seiboth. Former and, guest, love mm-hmm, that, man. Yeah. Damn right. a, a, a true wizard. And it was awesome, and... You know, you've been in bands before where, like, you make this record, you're super proud, you're ready to put it out, and then it just kind of like the band just kind of fizzled out out. a little bit. It burns out, yeah. And so I went to Nashville because my friend Andrea Tokic had this amazing studio, the Bomb Shelter. And it's, you know, this analog studio it's tape it's you know mm. you the the way you record there is is something that i hadn't done before and i you know i had talked to him and he kind of co-produced the record and i'm like i want you know i want some some of your guys like two session guys and mm-hmm. me and i want to sit in this room and 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 make a you know record to tape i wanted the experience that's, that's wild i've never done that before and it was nuts i mean most of that record outside of the overdubs was me sitting in a booth with one RCA ribbon mic on me for my guitar and voice. Wow. Wow. Two overheads on the drums and then, you know, upright, but like that's how we tracked most of that record. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And it was just kill. It was this amazing experience. And at that time in Nashville, this was 2013. It was just really vibrant there. So we ended up staying for two years. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, like we we were in Nashville for two years touring on that, um, you know, just soaking it up, hit hit the road pretty hard behind that. And then kind of as those things go, like, all right, well, I've done this thing. I did this recording this way. Now I'm going to go, I want to make this Chicago record. I have this idea in my head mm-hmm. about these guys I want to play with in Chicago. And so this sh- so that's, that's City of Vines then? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, I want to work with Nick Brosty on this one. And, you know, I love that man as well. Yeah. And, and I know that you had Dan Ingenthron on that record, Mike Holtz. Oh, I love Dan, yeah. folks. I've played with Dan, him known for, known for years as Dan well. Dan was in Go Long Mule, too. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think I knew that. Okay. And... And yeah, that just be like, okay, I want to kind of work these songs with this band. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a huge fan of like Songs Ohio and stuff like that. And I had this, you know, so then we did, then I did that. Um, well, that's actually a question that I really want to ask too. So it <clears throat> sounds like you entered each phase of record making with a, a different specific mentality because yeah. you, like you went to Nashville to make this type of stripped down record with, you know, certain Nashville cast. And it's like, okay, well now I want to come back to Chicago and do this other record. So while you're, so I guess what I'm asking is, are you sitting there while you're writing these tunes? Are you literally thinking like, okay, I am going to write for this. Or is it like, (laughs) I'm writing these things and then they, 
it seems like they they would fit this particular type of uh, group of people or setting or something like so that. So what happens is is and this gets a little heady, but I'll start writing and I'll I'll have this batch of songs. And then they kind of like, there's a group of them that'll kind of take shape to be like, oh, this makes sense together. Or I'm in this thing. I'm, I'm talking about something. You know, like not intentionally, I'm setting out to write a record about this. But these mm-hmm. groups of songs will kind of take shape. And it'll, oh God, I, it sounds so cheesy to say like, and then they, the songs speak to me. But in <laughs> a way, you know, like that Weaver's Broom record lyrically i was really obsessed with like magical realism and gabriel garcia marquez mm-hmm. and you know like ghosts and songs about ghosts and songs about you know this you know some something like slightly mystical and dark and cool. that yeah. that took shape and then and then it's kind of like okay well how do i want to record this what do i want to do it all plays into each other mm-hmm. um so th- i mean so these are lyrical themes that then that then kind of inform the musical theme. So like okay. with Weaver's Broom, there was something about those songs that like I wanted them to feel like they were done in a room together. And I wanted you to be able to hear the piano bench creak. Sure. And I wanted it, you know, like those little things um, kind of start taking shape. It sounds really cheesy, but. Oh, that's uh, real, man. The 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 then City of Vines was a similar thing. Like, man, I want this to be loud. I want it to have weight. There were moments on that record where I had watched like the Wrecking Crew documentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and there's these awesome stories in there about how like, God, there's one story about Crazy Phil Spector where he had hired three flamenco guitar players to just sit on the floor for a session. And there was no way, they weren't going to get picked up by any mics. They weren't going to be on the recording. Like, there was no way to get them, but he wanted the vibe. Wow. Um, and then there's just moments of that, that band and that bigness kind of mixed with what, like, Songs Ohio was doing and, and this Chicago sound that I mm-hmm. wanted to get. Um, and that record is really a lot of songs about, like, getting older and leaving places. And so it kind of starts to fit together in a way. Okay. Um, and now and then you obviously played that record and, and toured and played out and stuff. And then I, I noticed you, and I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't actually know that this had come out last year. You put out a single last year <clears throat> called uh, Paper Pictures. What was the sort of, did, was, that, was that a part of a larger project? Was that just something you needed to get out during pandemic? What was the sort of deal there? So that was the beginning of the record that I'm working on now. And okay. that's just me and Packy. Um, and... I had had I had this idea before the pandemic that I was going to do a series of singles with different people that I like to work with, just different collaborations. Cool. Um, and I was going to go around the country doing it, and then the pandemic happened, so I got yep. one done and put it out. <laughs> but I liked working with Packy so much as just like because again, it was another recording technique that I had never done. I've never done something that was like okay, we're going to do this, just two of us playing all the instruments mm-hmm. um, and stacking a song that way. And I really loved it. I loved kind of the process of building a song piece by piece, thinking of each part separately. Um, so now I'm working on a full record with Packy kind of that way. Building uh, on this sort of original, successful, I might add, idea 
Uh, just be careful. I mean, I know you mentioned this sort of like wanting to, to go around the country. Don't paint yourself into a Sufjan Stevens corner where you like make this bold proclamation where you're going to make all these records about every state or something and then you fucking put out two <laughs> and people are pissed forever. Yeah, that's what, uh, like, that is not going to happen now. The pandemic took nope. it away. And <laughs> I'm like, done. oh, well, this song worked. But there is something about, like, I feel like each, especially in the studio, I like, especially with this project, the project that's just me. Um, I like working with a bunch of different collaborators because I pick something up new each time. Like Mm -hmm. when I worked with Andrea, I I don't want to do every record on tape. Um, And it was, I I wanted that experience, but it informed me on everything that I've done since because I realized really quickly that the thing about recording with tape isn't the sound of it, even though that's awesome, like the sounds we got. It was that your focus shifts when you don't have the Pro Tools screen up. Oh, yeah. That's right. You're, you're not thinking about like, oh, well, that hits a little late. Well, the tempo, you're, all of these things. You, that, you're not listening with your eyes anymore. Yeah, and it's like, man, did that take feel good? Right, and, right. And you play differently, too, because you're not playing with the like, well, we can fix this. You're playing like, no, let's get this. This like, is the, yeah, almost like a live performance type of thing, like a live show. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so I've tried to take that mindset into everything I've done. Of that, um, even if even even in in situations like this where it's like we're, you know, we are definitely not doing this. You can't do this with two people in like full takes. We're, you know, we're piecing it together, but being really conscious of how it feels instead mm-hmm. of just like oh that's you know let's bump let's move everything so make sure everything's perfect and everything lines up perfectly. Um, you know, I I think that can be a mistake sometimes like things should feel human and real it, sh- it should feel good i'm babbling i'm oh, babbling. yeah no, no, no. i think that's... well i think we've we've all seen the uh well maybe not but i there's uh, people have taken all these old zeppelin songs which obviously bottom wasn't playing to a click and, and you can and then they've tracked Ugh. the tempo in time on a chart and it's fucking wild to see the crazy the variation yeah and but that's feel and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, we don't all have, or I would say nobody ever other than Led Zeppelin has had a drummer like John Bonham to hold that sort of situation that you can trust back there. But the point is that there, there's push and pull. There's, there's, there's feel that's important uh, to maintain. Yeah. I wanted to ask about, so, you know, obviously you're, you're working with Packy right now. And this is, this is GearBuds podcast. I'm curious if there's been like one piece of gear that sort of has jumped out as like super inspirational that maybe you haven't used much in the past or that just like has been kind of uh, central or important to the creative process you're, you're going through right now? Um, yeah, well, in the studio, and, and this is more, you know, Packy's domain of what he's been doing, but there's, he got this insane, um, like, modeling mic. Oh, uh, is I... it the, uh, the Townsend Labs? That's the one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that that as a piece of gear, that thing and and the way that he's been using it has been blowing my mind in the studio. Like, it's crazy because you can change it after you recorded yeah. it. So yeah. It's oh, wow. like, so it so it has fuck? different. Um, it can sound like a bunch of different microphones. Essentially, that's right. Is that what it does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it has it it has two uh, capsules. Like you can run stereo. dual capsule. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Um, it's, I've been very close to buying that a few times. <laughs> it's it's actually not as expensive as you'd think. It's maybe like a $1,500 yeah, mic or something. Yeah, I feel like I've seen the ad for that, sure. 
After the God first damn. day, of oh, oh, working that's amazing. On it, I, w- I went home and was like on the internet, like, do I do I just do, do I just? Do this? <laughs> um, well, when you think about, it, I mean, we compare it to like you know what it, in theory replaces li- quite literally, like count or uh, priceless, like a C twelve for instance microphone. Like you just can't buy one of those anymore. It's becomes a little more affordable in your brain. Yeah, and then that's I cool. Think, All right, I think the 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 piece of gear that I have. Uh, that especially in making records is the thing is my, I have a hummingbird that I've written every Mm. song on since I've had it. And it has this mojo to it that like, I just, I, you know, sometimes I write on piano and stuff, but I always use that guitar to write. So it's not a situation. Some people say that certain guitars only have a certain amount of songs. You're saying that that one so far unlimited. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of everything. So it's a good one. The hummingbird. All right, so you've got next weekend. Well, assuming you're listening to this, uh, uh, the week of release, which a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. You are playing a gig, so tell us about it. Fitzgerald's May 22nd in Chicago. Tell us about this thing. It's pretty. It's a pretty cool setup. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the, what they've done. We were talking about this before we started recording, right. but what Fitzgerald's has done is pretty amazing because they had to adapt to, you know, the pandemic and. Uh, and a new owner. So uh, uh, Will Duncan bought Fitzgerald's and right. the day, like, or the week after he closed on it, the country shut down. And Jeez. outside of Fitzgerald's, there's this big, you know, parking lot. There's three buildings. And as, as when this last summer came, they kind of built a stage out there, put distant seating out, and it just became this thing. Uh, you know, a whole new vibe. It really reinvigorated a lot of what was going on in, in at Fitzgerald's. And now it's kind of a, it's a part of what they do. So we're playing at four in the afternoon outside. Um, and so the, it's, it's like free reservations or something, right? Yeah. The, all the shows outside are free. Oh, wow. Uh, they, they do a really cool thing that when you get your bill, you can either pay like a cover charge or add a tip to the band uh, it's That's really great. great. That's such a neat idea. And then the thing that I like about what they've been doing too, and and I mean, kind of had to do since this is it, it's, it's a lot of just amazing local musicians and local acts. And I think it's sometimes easy to forget when you live in a place like Chicago how amazing the local music scene is here. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's and how versatile it is. Versatile is a really good word for it. Yeah, you can pretty much check out in a normal time any, any kind style. of music that yeah. you care about, really. And it's world class. Like this city has some of the best country bands there are. It has some of the best jazz bands there are. Oh, it has, God, yeah. It's it's incredible. And now I think you're starting to see that a lot of those there's a lot of crossover and that they'll play the same venues. Mm-hmm. Which Fitzgerald's I think is definitely exciting. one of them. Yeah. Uh, so May 22nd, <clears throat> four o'clock. you said you're playing at four, FitzgeraldsNightclub.com. That's where you go get that shit. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being thank on. You this so it much, has man. been an honor and pleasure having you on, man. Oh, uh, come it's, on. It's Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is great. It's awesome to catch of up. Uh, hopefully we can like, to catch up. play guitars together. Yeah, you got to come over to my studio soon. Uh, there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of amps for everybody. I'll oh. warn you, though, I'm one of those weirdos that stopped playing in standard tuning, so you got to bring your own guitar unless you <laughs> want to try to figure out my tuning. Wait a second. What are you playing in? This is, I'm sorry. I know we're wrapping this up, but now you... No, this is fine, man. We, we're I'll going talk down about up. my own shit all the time. I play... It's called, uh, it doesn't have a name. It's CGCGCD. 
which I guess if you want to break it down is sort of like a it's like mo- it's pretty modal, but it's kind of like a C minor with a nine on there. Yeah, it's so maybe weird, sort of, because like open C is that same tuning with the just the you keep the with e. the E, the oh. right. Um, so and then it, well, so I got it from Jimmy Page because he did D G C G C D, cool. and then I just dropped that C down. I was like, holy shit, this is it. it I've since learned that I guess a lot of Soundgarden is in a very similar tuning oh, as well. I didn't know that. Like that was like Chris Cornell, one of his tunings that he used, but. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. It sucks though because like every once in a while now, I like try to. I'll just like pick up one of my. I keep one guitar in standard, and I'll pick it up, and I'm like, I'm not good at that anymore. <laughs> so like, I can't just like go to fucking CME and pick up an axe and like be impressive. Like, I don't have those those chops. I but on my own, you know, I'll fucking I'll play all day. So. Do your electrics uh, hold that tuning well? That low. Seat? Yeah, you. Know, I had to. I had to. I switched strings. Uh, I was doing custom sets for a while, but uh, Ernie Ball just put out like Nerd. the goofiest name. It's called the Ernie Ball Burley set, which oh, I just cool. think is like the goofiest thing ever. <laughs> but it has, um, it, it is exactly the gauges I would choose, except f- because I tune the you know what would typically be a B up to C. That like there's a little extra tension. I think it's a 14 in that set. I would probably choose a 13. But regardless, yeah, I've I I have had to change strings because of it. Yeah, that was a that was a big obsession of mine, and a great like a great writing tool is just tunings. Like if you ever feel oh, stale, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, oh, it's a great tip. Oh man, I'm gonna play an open C, and there there's three songs right there. There's three songs, and then well, now it's like, well, there's uh, now either I got to get real good at retuning this thing live, or I got to start bringing a bunch more guitars with me to shows. Won't be a problem, right? Nah, fuck it, just get a roadie. All right, dude, Ryan, so if people want to check out your tunes and your stuff and the things that you do, where do, where do you send them online? I go to ryanjosephanderson.com, uh, and then, you know, I'm on, I, that's, everything's there, and I'm on the Spotify's and, the, and Bandcamp and all those things. All those things, yeah. It's a great website, nice and clean. You can find everything you need there. Ryan, thank you again thank so, you so much, much for joining man. us, man. It's been fucking really fun having you on. And hey, folks, if uh, you made it this far, thanks again, and uh, go make some music.